That was weak. You guys are all trained, so trained out. <laughs> I was thinking when I was watching y'all go, I was like, I feel at home here. It's the Soul Train line. <laughs> this song kept playing in my head. Soul Train. <laughs> Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap praise for everything that he is doing. Everything that he's going to do. And everything that he's already done. We are in a season, hallelujah, of the manifest presence of God. We are in the season of open heavens, open gates, and open doors. Shabbat. Did y'all hear what I just said? I said we are in a season of open heavens, open gates, and open doors. Now, when I was growing up, we, we thought the windows of heaven were open. We thought, like, money was just going to be falling out of the sky, and, you know, we were just going to just run around and just have our baskets and just... But an open heaven allows you to hear God's voice clearly as to who he is and who you are in him. When the heavens opened over Jesus' life, the voice from heaven came, Thou art my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. I come to tell you today that somebody here is under an open heaven and your sonship identity is going to be revealed and you will never be the same. Favor is coming your way. Abba. Favor is coming your way. The well-pleasing of God is coming your way. Touch three people and tell them favor is on you. Favor is on you. Favor is on you. Favor is on you. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Open gates represent territorial authority. As you go into regions that were formerly held by Satan and you take them for Jesus. Hallelujah. And I sense that. I sense the Spirit of God giving us demonic authority and power over all the powers of the enemy. Hallelujah. As we come into seasons of open gates, and of course open doors means doors of opportunity for you to walk into your destiny, for you to walk into your purpose. For you to walk into your calling, I declare over Asha, I declare over Zion, open heavens, open gates, and open doors. I declare over Zion, open heavens, open gates, and open doors. Now I declare over you. Hallelujah. 
the voice of the Lord, hallelujah, that breaketh the cedars, you will hear it clearly. The voice of the Lord that shaketh the wilderness, you will hear it clearly. The voice of the Lord, hallelujah, open heavens to hear God's voice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just feel that, that that's, that's the season we are in. And I believe that the Lord is getting ready to do a new thing. And it's about to spring forth suddenly, immediately. We are in a transition season. And I am excited to be at Zion Pastor Jim and Mary and the great Zion Ministries, both here and Pickerington, and the movement that God is doing in this place of worship and signs, wonders, and miracles and healings. The whole city is recognizing and hearing what God is doing here, but it's not going to be contained just within the city. I believe that God has called these open heavens, open gates, and open doors to take you to another level of national and international influence and impact. And I have a word from the Lord for you today that I believe will assist in this transition of what the Lord is doing in the earth and what the Lord is doing in this church. I am uh, grateful to have my wife with me today of 22 years. Noe, would you stand? <laughs> Amen. My two daughters are back there. My two oldest daughters are back there somewhere. I see uh, Israeli. Israeli, could you stand? And where's Shekinah at? Okay, Israeli. This is Israeli. She's 17 going on 18. And uh, she said Shekinah went to the bathroom. Shekinah is 19. And uh, she is at IHOPU. Um, she finished her first year of classes at IHOPU. And uh, she's, I'm about to take her back for the second year in a few days. But we're thankful for what God is doing in their lives. I have some of the leadership of Hope for Columbus and some of the interns that have come with me. Can you guys stand? Uh, thankful for some that have, that have come. Grateful for what God is doing there. We were there. We uh, meet on Saturday nights, and uh, we were there in our prayer and worship uh, session Saturday night, all night, well, about till about midnight. And then I said, I have to get out of here. I have to get home and get ready to be here at Zion. And, uh, and then I thought I was at Hope for Columbus this morning as we just went on and on. <laughs> this is our kind of worship where we get lost in the presence of God and uh, we just allow the Holy Spirit to receive our worship. 
We don't put any time frame on it. It's something about being in a day and night, 24-7 manifestation or atmosphere uh, that it breaks you out of the box of just Sunday morning 10 to 12. Breaks you out of just ordinary mundane religion. Brings you into an encounter with God. And I believe that the Lord encountered some uh, blind folk this morning. I was just rejoicing on the inside. I was in my prayer closet this morning, and I heard the Holy Ghost say, blind eyes will be healed. Blind eyes will be healed. And I'm just crazy enough to believe the Lord. (laughs) <laughs> and I uh and when Mary starts singing that I almost ran up here. <laughs> I almost ran up here and said, Who's blind in this place? But I say that now. Who in your family you have a generational cycle or curse of people progressively going blind? Is there anybody here progressively going blind back there, progressively going blind? And at this present time, you even can feel that progression happening in your life. Stand to your feet. I I don't want to uh, just allow that that I heard here and that that I heard here just to pass by. We're going to declare and decree that that generational curse of blindness, and that cycle, hallelujah, and progression, that your eyes are going to be 2020, and you're going to pass down an inheritance of 2020 vision. Hallelujah. Just lay your hands on your eyes right now. Father, I thank you for what has already been declared in this house. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what has already been sung and prayed in this house. I ask ask now that you would open their eyes. I ask now in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, that you would cause them to see now. I add my faith with Mary and with Sean and with every believer in this place that have prayed. I declare in the name of Jesus, blind eyes be opened. Sheva See now, in the name of the Lord, see now, see now, see now. I want you to get uh, a book or a Bible or something in your hand and just begin to read it. Uh, If there was some type of farsightedness or nearsightedness or just whatever it was that you couldn't uh, see or if you couldn't read far away, put the Bible or the book far away. If it was close that you couldn't read, whatever you couldn't do, do it now in the name of the Lord. Do it now in the name of Jesus. 
do it now. Do it now. Read it now. And if there is a, a, a clarity in your vision, focus in your vision, if you can see uh, any part of what you're reading better than you saw it before you prayed, hallelujah, I want you to stand and I just want you to say, say what's your name? Run up here. Run up here. Hallelujah. She stood up like this. <laughs> Tell us what happened. Exciting. <laughs> I got bifocals in these. Okay. And now I can read the, to download free apps, search Zion Christian Fellowship in App Store or Google Play. Right there. I can read that. I can do y'all see how small this is? It's on it's on your chair. I can't even read. <laughs> she said, what am I going to do with these? What, what do you want to do with them? Well, I want to get rid of them, but I still can't see far away. Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. All right, lift your hands, lift your hands. You say you need distance now? <laughs> but that's good news. <laughs> Come here. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus. Now, I ask you, God, heal her distant sight. Heal her distant sight in the name of Jesus. That she don't need bifocals or any other types of seeing assistance in the name of the Lord. I release that now in Jesus' name. You know, we live with stuff that we don't have to live with. We, 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 we actually pet stuff. That, that if someone would challenge you that you can be free from that, you would be offended. Because after all, you've learned to see with whatever it is that is assisting you. So you're okay. But I declare in the name of Jesus, we are not okay living beneath every privilege of wholeness and healing that God has given us in his word. He died to heal us. And I, I, I refuse to die with what my mama and my daddy died of. I refuse. I just came into my 50s a year, year or two ago. <laughs> And my dad died at 50, or my mom died at 59 of cancer, and her mom died at 59 of cancer. My dad died at 66 of uh, heart failure. I just refuse to be, hallelujah, in line for that curse when Jesus died so that the curse would be broken. I refuse to come to church every week and read the Bible that God died so that we might be healed and die in church with what God died to heal me of. 
And I, I just believe that we ought to, and I know I'm in the right place, I just believe we ought to believe God for everything that God wants to do. Eyes, ears, teeth, legs, limbs, gallbladder, blood diseases, the devil is a liar. By the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. We are healed in the name of the Lord. Glory to God. I don't know whether or not, uh, well, I know you believe because you, your pastor is a passionate worker of miracles. He was down at Hope for Columbus last, yesterday morning. And uh, some of the interns that was at the healing room that he, session uh, he, he taught, uh, they were telling me uh, some of the things that were happening. And one lady, she stayed over for our Saturday night service just to testify that God had healed her in that morning session. Yeah, that God had healed her in that morning session. And uh, so I know this is uh, fertile ground for miracles, signs, and wonders. And I just want to tell you in the voice of Bishop Jakes, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> I have a short word for you tonight, today. I, I, I don't want to be long because I believe it's uh, going on 1 o'clock. But in the book of Romans, in the book of Romans, I want to share what I believe that the Lord has placed in my heart to share with you. Romans 1. I want to thank the Lord for one of our interns. Tanisha comes all the way from Jamaica to be with us in our internship. And uh, I just want her to stand. I just saw her over there. Uh, she, she is in our nation for just eight, eight weeks. She will be going back home, and, and uh, I told her, you need to come to Zion this morning. You need this experience, and I, I'm grateful that the worship was as it was, and the Soul Train line went. <laughs> <laughs> no, for us, it's the soul train line. <laughs> Mary was saying, it's the glory train. That's for white folks. For, <laughs> for black folks, it's the soul train line. <laughs> now, it's anointed. It's an anointed soul train line. <laughs> Amen. So don't forget that, Tanisha, when you go back to Jamaica. <laughs> Amen. I'm just messing with you. The spirit of Jim has come on me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Romans 1, when you have it, let's stand together and let's read it. Romans 1. And I know that uh, you guys have different Bibles, but I just feel led for us to all read 
out loud together. And if your translation is different, you know, we'll just, we thank God for Acts 1. They were all speaking different languages and and uh, they heard them speak in the one the wonderful works of God. So we're going to read uh, uh, Romans one through seventeen, and we're going to read it together. I'm reading out of the NASB Bible that Jim bought me, and it is an awesome leather-bound Bible. He asked me; I think it was a Christmas gift. Uh, but uh, I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible version. Don't be intimidated by whatever version that you're reading out of. Just read it so you can hear it. Just read it so you can hear it. I want you to get it in your spirit. Are you ready? Let's read. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship uh, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the name's sake of Jesus. Keep reading. Verse 12, that is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God from the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For it is written, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Stop there. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that it is good news. We thank you that you anoint us today to tell the world the good news of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. Now minister life through this word from you, God. Minister life to the hearers. And let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. About three weeks ago, I had an encounter with the Holy Ghost. I had an encounter with Jesus, and he was singing in my ear in my sleep. He can sing, Mary. And I wanted to wake up to see him. And I wanted to turn to see him. But I was almost like, you know, in the state between sleep and awake. And, and he was singing in my ear a song that I had not heard since I was 10 years old. An old song by Andre Crouch. I don't know how many remember Andre Crouch. Jesus is the answer. Y'all remember that? <laughs> that wasn't the song he was singing, though. <laughs> he was singing this song that I would not have thought of if my life depended on it. I hadn't heard the song since I was 10 years old. And I was, uh, my mom used to play the songs in the house, the gospel songs in the house. And the song he was so beautifully singing in my ear, it goes like this. It says, tell them even if they don't believe you, just tell them even if they don't receive you, just tell them for me. Please tell them for me that I love them. And I came to let them know. And it was just, it was better than that. I mean, it was, it was, no, it was better than that. And I woke up crying. And the first thing I did was I got my phone and I opened it up to YouTube and I put, and I didn't even know if that was, this was the name of the song, but I put tell them in the search. Sure enough, it came up, Andre Crouch. And I just sat there on the side of the bed listening to it and crying. One, I was wondering, okay, Lord, what is this? What are you doing? What are you telling me? You know, my wife, I was sharing with them. And she was like, well, he was telling you to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I was like, you know, 
what in the world? And then, of course, I went back to my childhood and everything that was synonymous with me and my family at 10. And I just sat there listening and crying. And then I remembered an experience that I had a month earlier in the White House. I went to the White House, y'all. I went to the White House as a part of a team that had wrote prayers for the president in January, and I had received an email for uh, an offer to write prayers for the president's 100 days, his first 100 days. And uh, as I was scanning the emails, uh, I thought it was junk mail. And so um, I just ignored it. And, and the Holy Spirit said, uh, no, go open that one asking you to pray for the president. And, uh, and so I went back and I opened it. And it was addressed to me, and it was a, from a gentleman that had, uh, I had met when I spoke at the Republican National Convention about a year ago this past week. And, um, and so uh, he had remembered me and gave my name to this editor that was putting this book together. And so uh, I still capitulated with writing this prayer uh, because... Uh, I, I kind of uh, have this thing that I was struggling with, uh, with just uh, praying for governmental leaders, and I, I was struggling with uh, this, what the church is in the midst of kind of right now, uh, of political Christianity. Political Christianity, it's, it's that... Uh, leaven of Herod that's in the church. And, uh, you know, Mark talks about Jesus said, beware of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of Herod is, 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 is political Christianity. It's, it's where you are actually in cahoots with a particular uh, uh, part or sect. They were in cahoots with uh, the Roman government. And the Roman government was actually directing the, the particular leaders of Israel. And they were aligning themselves with those particular leaders. And uh, the, the leaven of the Pharisees is a religious spirit. And I was uh, struggling with praying for the president because uh, I, uh, in my flesh, kind of did not want to uh, associate with all the things that he was doing in the natural and the Holy Spirit took me to 1 Timothy 2.1. He said, Brandon, it's time to get back to biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity prays for those that are in authority. Whether they're 
Democrat or Republican, whether they act the way you want them to act or don't. And the Lord said to me, the reason why my body in certain sex and certain parts are not able to obey this command is because we have this spirit of the world that's in the church. And we talk about our leaders instead of pray for them. We criticize our leaders instead of praying for them. And you will not pray for anybody that you talk about. You will not pray for anybody in authority that you criticize. And if you do pray for them, you'll probably pray witchcraft prayers. Prayers where you're telling God, get them, God, and get them right. Or you're telling God all about the things that they are doing wrong as if God don't know. I always tell people when they, 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 they join a church and then they leave a church when they find out something about that church or that man uh, that they don't like or that they think this is a mess, this is, you know. I was like, listen, when you came, this was probably happening when, you, when God called you there. And people say, God called me here. But when everything is not going the way that they think it should be going, then they leave the place God called them. God might have called you there to pray for them. But you can't pray, and you won't pray for anybody that you criticize, critique, or talk about. And that's... <laughs> That's the problem in most churches that don't pray for their leaders. They're too busy criticizing them. They're too busy critiquing them. They're too busy talking about them. Once the Lord straightened me up, I wrote that prayer. <laughs> and I sent it off. And it was like, you know, it was going to be uh, uh, reviewed and uh, prayers were being submitted uh, throughout the nation and the world, and the only, uh, the first 100 was going to be accepted. And, uh, and so, and then I, because I capitulated and, and procrastinated, I, I, mine was beyond the deadline of all the prayers to be uh, sent in. And so I sent it in with a note, sorry, I delayed. Uh, if it's too late, uh, I understand. Uh, but here is a prayer that I wanted to submit for President Donald Trump. And uh, later on that night, I got an email back, said, uh, yeah, this was too late, and uh, the submissions were to be due yesterday, but this prayer was too good to pass up. And we are going to add this to the 100 days of prayers for Donald Trump. And we will get back with you. Long story short, about three, two months ago, they invited those that were a part of those 100 prayers for the president to uh, Washington, D.C., the Trump International Hotel, and to the White House. And uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, as I was going, he said, I'm bringing you there to give you 
identification with the leaders of your nation so that you will have intercessory identification so that you can pray from my heart. And I'm going to cause you to run into things and see things that you could not know through the mainstream media. And I'm going to cause you to touch places in the rooms where the president and his cabinets meet so that you can release my spirit. And there were two things that I heard in the White House specifically. One was something to pray, and the second was something to do. And they have totally changed my life since May 27th. One, he said, pray that the White House would become the lighthouse. And that the, uh, and that the light... And the illumination of God would expose darkness and deceit and lies and corruption that have been going on in Washington for many, 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 many years. He said, this is the time that I'm going to bring down false structures and false systems and corrupt systems that have been established in my nation. He said, pray that the light turns on. I don't know about you, but I, I, I grew up in, uh, in a house where we had some bugs. <laughs> when we came home, the light turned on and uh, they scattered. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say we had roaches because we live in Gehenna now. And we don't have roaches. <laughs> and I look back. When we turn the lights on, we would like the lights, they would scatter. The Holy Ghost said, I'm turning the light on in the White House. I'm turning the light on in the I'm turning the light on in Congress. I'm turning the light on in Washington. Pray that the White House will become the lighthouse. The second thing he told me, he said, I want you to share what I show you. And he began to show me stuff happening that I would not know if I had not seen it with my own eyes. He began to show me prayer groups, Bible study groups happening in the White House. People leading Bible studies in the basement of the White House and prayer in the White House and day and night, day and night. We visited the David's tent, which is about, uh, was about a mile from the White House, and all around that region, prayer and prayer groups were happening. And the Holy Ghost began to reveal to me that you are busy listening to the dark news of the media and busy hearing all of the stuff that's not happening to see and hear what I'm doing in your nation. He said, I want you to begin to share the good news to combat the dark news that you're hearing on every station. 
dark news, news that is negative, news that is bad. But you know that God is doing good things in our nation, that if you don't uh, uh, tune your ear to what God is doing and saying, you could be consumed with the darkness and the negativity. But I heard the Holy Ghost in the White House say, fear not, I'm with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I shall help you. I shall strengthen you, and I shall uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. And the Lord gave me a mandate to go back home, hallelujah, and start sharing the good news of what he's doing, what he's done, and what he's going to do. He began to tell me about the kingdom of darkness that's based on negative, bad, dark news. And he began to say, if the kingdom of God is ever going to be established in your region, people that hear me, that know me, are going to have to speak about, talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. And I, I had to re-examine what that was. Because I grew up, the gospel wasn't good news when I grew up. And I grew up in the church. The gospel, boy, <laughs> it, it condemned everybody to hell where I was. Everybody was going to hell. <laughs> they, they were. They were. How many know what I'm talking about? If you blinked, that's a sin. You're going to hell. Get to this altar. <laughs> and they would preach messages, get right or get left. <laughs> And there would be people that would be uh, on the street corner with signs on their front and their back. They, 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 would, they would have these signs, walking billboards. And Lord, help us the day that my dad said, hey, we're going to do a street meeting. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> And it wasn't like a street meeting, like a tent revival, like, no, 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 no. He, he got my oldest brother who played the keyboard. He got my younger brother who played the, 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 the bass guitar. And we didn't have uh, instruments. We played on trash cans, and we played on old broken, uh, you know, keyboards. He said, come on, we're going down the road, and we're going to go to the corner, and we're going to, we're going to listen and tell, ask God to tell Tell us where to set up, and then we're going to set up there, and we're going to start singing. And, and, and he would set up at the corner, at the busiest corner, and me and my brothers was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> and he would start singing, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus just now. He will save you, he will save you just now. And, and, and then he would say, play, y'all, play. And we were so embarrassed. We were so ashamed. And then he would start preaching. And, and you know, my dad wasn't a fire, brimstone, hell preacher. But he would just start hooping. He was a hooper. He would just start hooping on the streets. And, and so, but, it, but he would tell people as they were going do you want to be saved? But there was no content 
of what God has done. It was basically, you know, uh, to miss hell, to go to heaven. So I had to re-examine when God said, tell the good news of what I'm doing. What is the good news of the gospel? Because in order for the kingdom of God to be established, those that know the good news must preach and teach the good news to combat the negative, fear-based, death-motivated, mainstream media that is putting out the bad news. And I ask the Lord to put it in me because I believe that we're in a season of going out and declaring and decreeing what God is doing. And the Lord said to me, he said, you're going to have to realize that I did not come to the world to condemn the world. We didn't read that growing up. We read John 3.16, we skipped over John 3.17. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He did not send his son into the world to the condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. And as I began to study the scriptures and as I began to study the good news, I began to realize all that God has done. The good news of what Jesus has done. I begin to realize all that he's doing in the midst of all the hell and all the mess and all the negativity that is happening. And then I begin to realize all that's about to happen and all that God is getting ready to do as he prepares to return to the earth. And the Lord said these words to me, Zion. He said, if you would listen to me, if you would attune your ear to my heart, he said, I will put a word in your mouth that will cause the world to take notice. Not the church, because we spend a lot of time in the church teaching and preaching to one another. And we call church transfers church growth. And we judge ourselves by how many people are in the room when we should be looking at a dying lost world and seeking to bring people to these altars that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I would ask you in this room, how many have come to Jesus for the first time at these altars, I'm afraid that very few of us, very few of us would be here. What am I saying? I'm saying that God wants to raise up an army of good news bearers to go into the highways and the byways and tell them he died so that they might live. He was wounded so that they might be healed. 
Hallelujah. And in this day and in this time, if the good news doesn't arise, the bad news is going to overwhelm our nation. And right now we are in that quandary where the church is trying to figure out where we actually fit. And in the book of Romans, I heard the Holy Ghost say, if you're going to share the good news, you've got to know it, number one. If you're going to share it, number two, you've got to not be ashamed of it. Look at verse 16. Romans 1, I'm almost done. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. These two verses tell us the process, gospel, when it is preached, what it does in a nation, and what it reveals to a people that have never known Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. The good news that Jesus came, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. I know we want something deep. And oftentimes we, you know, we get so deep that we get stuck. But the simplicity of the gospel message is power. In and of itself, it is the power of God unto salvation of a lost world. But look what the 17th verse says. It says, in it, the preaching of the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Listen to me closely. Our problem with not preaching the right gospel or the good news is that we are seeing the world through our eyes and not his. God loved the world so. And when God sees the world, he sees the world through the blood of Jesus. When we see the world, we see its mess. And so our natural tendency is to clean up the mess. God did not call us to clean up mess. God did not call us to get anybody right. God called us to tell them that Jesus died so that they don't have to. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. He interrupted the process of sin and death. He interrupted the process of the law of works for righteousness to release his power or his grace so that those that are in sin and know them 
themselves as sinners might by the power of God know themselves as the righteousness of God in Christ. When we began to see people through the eyes of Jesus, we will not only love them, but we will give them Jesus. I heard the Holy Ghost in Jerusalem as I was reading the book of John said, you can't tell the world that I love them without my love for them. I will not hear, hallelujah, a person that tells me God loves me if they don't love me. The only way that God's love will be seen is if we give it. But we've got to get it. We've got to get the love of God in us so that it exudes from us. So that we give ourselves to the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ. The reason why we don't preach the good news of Jesus Christ, because we have never encountered the love of God. So what we do is we preach criticalism. We preach critique. We preach, uh, you know, we call ourselves fruit inspectors. And we inspect and judge, and then we preach based on what we see. But when we preach the good news of the gospel, the righteousness of God will be revealed. What is the righteousness of God? It is the gift of right standing through Jesus Christ that causes that individual to have an identity shift. They no longer see themselves as hopeless, helpless sinners. They begin to see themselves as those that God loved so that he would come and die for them. When they see that, they change how they view themselves. If I know that this man, Jesus, loved me so that he would die for me, I must be somebody. And if that death makes me his son, then this mess that I've been doing is not who I am. This is who I am. The righteousness of God is revealed when the gospel is preached. The problem in our nation and in the world is an identity crisis. It's not a sin problem. We identify with Adam over Jesus. We identify with Uncle Jed that was a drunk over Jesus. We see ourselves as hopeless, as homeless, as orphans because mom and dad wasn't there. But when you see yourself through the eyes of Jesus, you begin to declare, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You recognize you have a Father. The root of sin 
is identity the way you see yourself. And when you can get to the source of why you do what you do, when you can get to the root of why you act the way you act and change that identity, then your behavior will change. We're trying to change people's behavior with our message. We're trying to change how they live with our message. When our message is not what will change them, Jesus will change them. Are y'all hearing me? Do you understand what I'm saying? The world is talking bad news and the church is talking no news. We have nothing counteracting the bad news that's being out. That's why the kingdom of darkness is running rampant in our cities. Because the church is nowhere to be found. But God's about to turn on the light. He's about to raise up good news bearers. He's about to raise up those that understand he died for them. So I asked the Lord, Lord, what was Paul talking about? He's not ashamed. And how in the world do we get to that place where we release the power just in the good news of the gospel? And I looked up the word ashamed. And the word ashamed means disgrace. The word ashamed means to be shamed for a particular action. Disgrace, to be shamed for a particular action. And I began to hear the Holy Spirit say, Paul was not ashamed because he rooted his message and his work for God in the grace of God. He had encountered the true and the living God, and he realized that it was not about him. Now, you remember Paul, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisee, and he lived righteous according to the law above his fellows. But when he encountered Jesus on the Damascus road, he realized, hallelujah, that it's not about what I do in my own righteousness. It's about what he has done to make me righteous. And the grace of God saved him. So much so that he could say, I am what I am by the grace of God. And by that grace, I have labored more abundantly than them all. Listen, if you don't understand that you were saved by grace, your message will be rooted in the law of works for righteousness. And that is the spirit of the world. That is the spirit that we live in, even in this nation and any other nation in the earth. It is a law of works for righteousness. It's just natural. It's just normal. I mean, you know, if you, if you do wrong, you, you, you get wrong. If you do right, you get right. But this gospel, he broke that cycle. Now, I know you don't like to hear what I'm about to say. 
But he broke that cycle with the gospel. The curse of the law, the broken law, is broken by the blessing of Jesus Christ, uh, the blessing of Abraham. Abraham was before the law. And so, when we talk about the gospel of grace, we're talking about God sending Jesus to interrupt the process of the works of the law for righteousness to release righteousness by faith. Therefore, when I do righteous works, I have to qualify where it's coming from. It's not that we don't work. It just doesn't come from the law for righteousness. It comes from the grace of God. And the grace of God is the love of God. And lovers will always outwork workers. Workers will get burnt out trying to measure up, trying to perform. But lovers will work and work and work, not because they are trying to get God's approval, but because they know he loves them, but because they know he's already approved of them, because they know that they are accepted in the beloved. And so while we work, we don't work to be righteous. We work because we love him. But most people are under the system of the law for righteousness. Even preachers, we theologically believe that we have what we have because of what Jesus did on Calvary. But theoretically, we make it about what we do or don't do. And what we end up doing is we end up making the grace of God of none effect. We judge people by what we see. We judge people by what they do instead of judging them through the eyes of the righteousness of God. And when we judge them by what we see and what they do, we don't pray for them. We condemn them. Are y'all hearing me? But God is raising up good news bearers that will go into the cities of this nation and that will say, Jesus died for you. You don't have to die in this. Hallelujah. We were out in the community the other day because God is raising up, hallelujah, forerunner messengers from the place of prayer. And we went out in the community the other day and we were just telling people, God loves you. And they were warning us. They were tagged. They were, they were attracting themselves. They were saying, hey, hey, listen. And listen, we're not used to this. They said, uh, where do y'all where do y'all uh, worship at? Where do y'all go to church at? And they were asking for our numbers. I put so many numbers in my phone because of young people that said, hey, I want to get connected to you guys. Some of whom were praying for them and, and reading their mail and releasing prophetic words. And they were saying, I've never seen anything like that, but this lady or this girl, she was point on. Everything I, I, I've done in the last week, she told me about it. But then she told me God died so that I don't have to suffer and that I don't have to go to, uh, to purgatory. 
I said, purgatory. Purgatory, obviously he had a Catholic background. But what I'm telling you is that darkness has to back up. Dark news has to back up to the good news. And I believe that we are coming into a season where God is going to begin to reveal all that he has done good in our lives. And he's going to begin to release, uh, hallelujah, us unto the gospel of God. And I come to tell you tonight, today, uh, hallelujah, that the Lord is about to put on you righteousness. He's about to put on you grace. He's about to cause the grace of God. He's getting ready to remind you of what he's done for you because we sit up in church and we forget. Hallelujah. I'm not far removed from all that he brought me out of. I remember when I was in college in the, in the University of Cincinnati. I remember when I was going down, hallelujah, Calhoun, getting drunk every night. I remember, hallelujah, when I was denying my upbringing and my faith, trying to be freak daddy, trying to be something that I wasn't in my natural nature. But the Lord had mercy on me. Uh, the grace of God, uh, men and women that I was hanging with that also had a background, they begin to say something about you. You're not all as hard as you think you are. Hallelujah. I think, I think you, you're, you're a, a nice guy. Uh, now, I can't put my finger on it, they said. Hallelujah. But you, you're, just, you, you're just putting on. I was, I was big and I was uh, uh, lifting weights and, and I was talking hard. But I wasn't hard. Hallelujah. I was running from Jesus, and Jesus had mercy on me, and he came to me where I was in my sin, and he brought me out, and he caused me to rise up to find out who I was in him, because I didn't know who I was. And when I did, the Holy Spirit dropped on me, and in that dorm room, I realized I'm not called to do this, I'm called to do that. And I come to tell you today that some of you are going to get a reminder of what God has done for you because the power of the gospel is rooted in your testimony. But you forgot what God has done for you. You think it's all about what you've done. But God's getting ready to raise up good news bearers that testify. I was where you were. I used to do what you did. I was brought from where you are. And I know that Jesus can bring you out of what you're in. And when you get that message, you will begin to run to the loss. But we've got to reclaim what God has done. And I come to tell you today that the grace of God is getting ready to drop on you. You're getting ready to go from disgrace to grace. You're getting ready to go from your works for righteousness to his righteousness. And in this season, God's getting ready to raise up a harvest, not of church folk that come to your church because of the good teaching. But God is getting ready to raise up people that are unlovely, that are unlikely, that don't act like us, that don't look like us, that don't walk and talk like us. And we're going to love them with the love of Jesus. The last thing I'm going to say 
I was reading John 3.16 three years ago, and the Lord said, look at that verse. Tell me what the love of God is. What is the definition of the love of God? He said it's in that verse. God so loved the world. God, who is holy, set apart, separate, so loved the world who is unholy, at enmity with God, that he gave his only begotten son. And at that moment, I recognize the love of God is for opposites. It's for people that are not like you, that don't look like you, that don't act like you, that don't talk like you, that might not even like you. You don't know you have the love of God when you're loving somebody that's just like you, that looks like you, that talks like you, that walks like you. You only know you have the love of God when you start loving unlovely people. People that can't nobody love but God. But what we do is we separate ourselves from unlovely people. We separate ourselves. We gravitate to people that are just like us. And we miss the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the love of God. God is getting ready to baptize us in his love. God is getting ready to baptize us in the homogenized love of God. That's the love of God that breaks out of our comfort zone. Where we don't gravitate to people that are just like us. We gravitate to people that have been where we have been. It's time for good news. And I came home and I said, Lord, what, what, what is the good news? He said, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. I love you, Brandon. Just like you are. I love you like you are to bring you from where you are to where I am. I have access to him just like I am. I know you want to clean me up before you actually give me access to him. But I have access to him just like I am because he died to give me that access. I know you want to say because if you see something that's not right, oh, he can't be a man of God. But that ain't how God sees me. That's how you see me. And the identity that God has given me trumps your identity. No pun intended. <laughs> I see myself as the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, that's an internal righteousness. External righteousness 
touches my character. But until the internal righteousness touches my heart, my trying to change my behavior will always come short. So I have to get what he sees before I change what I do. If I change what I do based on you telling me that I can't do this and I can't do that, it's just a matter of time till I go back. But if my behavior changes from the inside out, the root determines my fruit. And God is learning me, teaching me, preparing me to transition from the law of works for righteousness, for grace for righteousness, so that I would love a lost world. Everybody stand to your feet. There is good news in the gospel. God wants to anoint us as good news carriers. Are y'all hearing me? And I believe that with all of my heart that we are in a season of revival in the earth, but it's not going to happen in the church. The church is going to have to become the church. And we're going to have to go forth with the right message. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that the Lord would touch your heart, number one, with who he is and what he's done for the whole world. Number two, I want to pray that he would touch your heart with who he is and what he has done for you. And the last thing I want to pray is that you would go with that revelation to share the good news of Jesus Christ to establish the kingdom of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus, for the revelation, the righteousness of God. That you, Jesus, have released power through the good news that reveals righteousness, what you have done for us. Sheila Mandelias. That you, Jesus, release good news of the gospel. That you, Lord, died and you shed your blood and you were buried and you rose on the third day. Jesus, reveal righteousness now. Release, Lord, now the revelation that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Release now in the name of Jesus the revelation of what you have done for each one of us. God, I ask you in the name of the Lord that you would touch 
hearts all over this room. If you're here today, either you have worked for righteousness or you have never received Jesus as your righteousness. I want you to raise your hand. You want Jesus as your righteousness. You've never accepted him. You've never received him as your Lord and Savior. But you're saying, I need him. I need him. Everybody's saved. I just want to make sure that everybody is saved. I need him. All the way in the back. Bless you. I need him. Is there another? I need him. I need what he did on Calvary. I want us to pray this. And I want us to say this. I want us to declare this. Because I believe that the Lord wants to give us a revelation of all that he has done. All that he is doing in the midst of what's happening in our world. And all that he is going to do as he comes to this earth with revival and as he comes to this earth with his son. Say this with me. Jesus, I thank you for, for shedding your blood for my sins. I thank you for dying on Calvary. I thank you for leaving your throne in glory and exchanging places with me. Lord, I receive the work of the atonement in my life. I receive righteousness coming from heaven. I receive righteousness that comes from the grace of God. Jesus, change me. Deliver me. Save me. Make me a good news barrier. Make me a good news bearer. Jesus, I commit my life to share the good news where darkness abounds. Grace will much more abound. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap praise.